Prepare your ear holes for hoops. It's like a romance with the ball. Get ready for a view of Cleveland basketball from downtown Columbus. Let it ride! This is Very Cavalier with Reeser and Matty Ice. Let's get it on. Episode three of the podcast, Very Cavalier. I am Eric Reeser. That is Maddie Ice Hayes. Maddie, our, I guess, maiden voyage more so than the other two because we've actually got some music to lead us into this fine broadcast. We're becoming official, right? It's official. Official. Like a official. referee with a whistle. <laughs> there we go. Isn't that a thing? People say that? I think so. I was okay. trying to figure out what line that's from. Because <laughs> you always have these great polls musically. And nine times out of ten, I'm like, I've heard the song. Yeah. I'd know it if he played it, but I don't know it off the top of my head. Happens to me all the time with AR doing his movie references to me Monday through Friday. Like I'll he's catch, got a he's got a bag, man. It's something I've never seen a human do at this level in my entire life. I feel like the man should be getting paid for what he does because his skills to memorize almost anything from any movie <laughs> from the eighties till now is absolutely bananasy. It's bananas. Speaking of bananas, yeah. you're Cleveland Cavaliers. Come on, man. Talk are to six me. and one and sitting second in the Eastern Conference mm. after Wednesday night's 114-113 win over the Boston Celtics. A second overtime win over the Seas in about a week. Yeah. And, Maddie, we were talking before we hit the record button that I don't know if in the NBA there is a better feeling than beating the Boston Celtics. Feels phenomenal when you can take down a historically rich franchise, right? A franchise just from Red Auerbach all the way up until now has done a whole bunch of winning, but they're easy to hate. They're easy to Very hate. Easy. Don't like their fan base at all. Some of their players I like, but for the majority of my life watching the NBA have not been a fan of the Boston Celtics. And we've seen in less than a week, our Cleveland Cavaliers got out two very impressive dubs versus the reigning Eastern Conference champions. You go into their building, then they come to your building. In both games, you got to play some extra basketball, and this young team had to earn it. One game without Darius Garland, one game with Darius Garland, and the result is still the same. E, what's unfolding in front of our eyes is a legit contender in the Eastern Conference. That's exactly what I'm looking at and what my eyes have seen. I don't think there's going to be a fall off. I don't think this is just a flash in the pan. I think for the remainder of the season, this Cleveland Cavaliers team will be a top three seed in the Eastern Conference. I'm believing it. I'm believing it. You're talking spicy, and I'm here for it. And this was the Cavaliers team that I thought we would see kind of closer to December, closer Mm -hmm. to the end of December. I mean, I know November's calendar calendaristically that's a word it I'm works, making it up. works it works close to December but I thought this would be kind of the team that you would start to see in December yeah. and then start to come out in January and right before the all-star break start hitting your strikes that's kind of the barometer I use mm-hmm. with success in the NBA is how is this team looking before and after the all-star break because we saw it from this Cavaliers team last year yeah going into the all-star break coming in the all-star break different teams the Cavaliers with injuries fell apart in that back half and yeah, you said it with the game on Friday night, beating Boston and over beating the Celtics in Boston is better than beating the Celtics at home. Of course, completely agree. But the Darius Garland effect on this team, you saw right out of the gate oh, this past Wednesday night. And I reference Wednesday night because if some people are listening to this podcast on a Friday and Friday night's the game in Detroit, we'll get to that in a sec. But just right away, Darius Garland makes presence felt. Yeah, it's just so much that the dude brings to the floor. And what I love about having DG and Spida is that you have two very, very good playmakers, yes. right? When you see, when we saw Donovan Mitchell have to step up 
without Darius Garland. He really got into his point guard bag a lot, and he was still doing a lot offensively with filling it up as well, but he was doing a great job of moving the ball around, getting the ball to the shooters in the corner, whether it's Dean Wade, whether it's Kevin Love, whether it's Karis LeVert. I thought Donovan Mitchell did an amazing job of that when DG was down, but once we saw DG come back yesterday, not only was he filling it up, giving you 29 points, which is something that you know I should be, we should be expecting from him. Maybe not 30 every single game, but I think he'll be in that 20 to 25 window almost every single game, but you get 12 dimes from Darius Garland right away. And that is just the stress that these two guys are going to bring to the court every single night. Is that not only do you have to worry about them getting downhill, shooting from the mid range, shooting from the three point line, but you can't help off of guys too much because this Cleveland team has showed us that they should be shooting the ball. Well, the rest of the way they've shot it well from three for the most part this year, but having Darius back is just absolutely incredible. And he looked amazing on Wednesday night. Amazing against an elite defense. The Boston yep. Celtics are an elite defense. Same guys we saw last year. The majority of them are back right now, minus a guy in Robert Williams, which is a real blow for them. But that's still an elite defensive team that the Cavs got two dubs over. And you can really tell that the, the Celtics did having I think Robert Williams' nicknames the Time Lord, right? Yes. Which I don't. Do you know the origin of that? I believe it has to do with him being late to some type of draft workout or draft meeting. Do not hold me to that. No, I, I'm Don't hold me to that. But it's that when you brought it up, it rang a bell that it was kind of a joke that happened that he was late to something, I believe. Could be way off on that. But I think that's what All I right, got. So early in his career, Williams has attracted the nickname the Time Lord from Celtics fans in part based upon his timekeeping faux pas upon signing with the team. So it looks like you're correct in saying that because okay. that's a phenomenal nickname it's incredible his reputation for missing flights and video meetings caused him to earn the moniker time lord on online boston celtics fan boards okay and Here so it, it, you could tell that they missed him yeah because mobley and allen are able to eat when they have that size advantage here's the thing though i don't think it's gonna matter what center you throw out there. no i don't because what when you can forecast a game like Philadelphia, right? You got to worry about one guy and Joel Embiid. Yep. Well, the the Cavs have two of those guys, and that's why you and I coming into the season when everybody was talking about Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland in the backcourt and the lack of defense that you'll probably get from those guys, wasn't overly concerned about it just because of what's behind them. So whether it's Evan Mobley taking a one-on-one challenge, you still got you know Jared Allen still protecting the rim and grabbing those extra rebounds. I just think the duo with what those guys bring on both ends of the floor, but mainly defensively, e the protection of the rim and cleaning up the rim and grabbing rebounds, like. I, I just don't see a front court anywhere that's going to be able to really stress out Evan and Jared, Jared, excuse me, on any given night. I just think the Cavs have a chance, honestly. And this may be spicier than what I've said already. But it's, have, it's, it's very reactionary because coming off of what we saw last night against the defending Eastern Conference champions. Very true. So I am not going to apologize on behalf of this podcast for us feeling ourselves a little but bit. But I honestly believe this <laughs> because, look, we saw this group of guys have success last year. So this isn't a flash in the pan. Just, this has happened before. Correct. Right? There is precedent here yes. for what's going We've on. We've seen this they already. Added Donovan Mitchell. They can have any given night the best backcourt and the best front court. In the association, not in the Eastern Conference, in the association. Find me a better backcourt, frontcourt, group of four, if you will, in the NBA. I can't find it. I can't find it anywhere. Yeah, I can't find any lies in your statement. And that's what we're looking at. So you're right to bring up. Maybe there's some emotion baked into this. But even when you zoom out we're from fans, the emotion. We're allowed to do that, by the way. Correct. 
just so anybody is not clear on this, like outside of Woj and Shams, and even those two guys, I will accept. Be a fan. Yeah, man. Who cares? Flex your chest a little bit. Yeah. But those four, I think, just present so much elite basketball, and they present different styles of play, too. So however you want it, you can get it playing the Cavs. I also loved in situations where you you needed guys, other guys to step up. You had Dean Wade playing well. You got Kevin Love coming in when when there's seconds left on the clock, and then you need a guy that you know can be trusted Mm -hmm. in any situation. Bickerstaff's got that to rely upon. I go back to Jared Allen real quick because there was a, a I, and I can't find the exact time it happened, but this was late when he draws a charge on Marcus Smart. Yep. And I watched the ESPN national broadcast of this, and Jeff Van Gundy was kind of trying to talk through how that was a bad foul on Allen because as a veteran or as a older guy in the league, I'll use air quotes because he's what twenty five. Mm-hmm. He needs to have better composure than that. And I feel like every Cavs fan on hashtag Cavs Twitter was sitting there going, that was an absolute flop by yeah. Smart. 100% and then it, it showed was. like the replay of it, and it was an absolute flop <laughs> by Marcus Smart, yeah. almost to the point where Jared Allen's almost looking like he's trying to hold him up because yeah. he knows what's coming. Mm-hmm. And I and then Van Gundy starts like walking himself back verbally going, oh, well, there's a little bit of a flop at the end. And <laughs> Cavs Twitter bleeping hates Marcus Smart for doing that because – when have you seen such a uh, kind of a, um, a middle of the road player mm-hmm. get calls all of the? I mean, this was back I, in the playoffs last year. Marcus Smart was getting those kinds of calls yeah. for those flops. He's that, and I love it. Yes, he's that crafty thorn in your side. Yes, that just never goes away. And I think now, e, when you talk about maybe a guy like Marcus Smart getting the benefit of the doubt with certain calls, I think that's what happens when you become a defensive player of the year. Right when you get some of those I think awards, you kind of earned that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I'm you a Marcus s- Smart appreciator. So when that happened, I was like, "Damn it!" He's the definition of you hate him when he's not on yep. your team, and you love him when he's on your squad. The man's been a really good defender since his college days at Oklahoma State, and it's transferred into the league. And that's why when you look at what the Cavs can roll out there, when it's that three guard lineup. When you've got Karras and you've got Spider and you've got DG, that can break down any type of elite defense. So when they're throwing Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum at you, you have three guys that can handle the rock and get into a pick and roll with Evan Mobley or Jared Allen or just get to their spot and get buckets. That was one thing, though, that I couldn't wait to ask you about is, do you feel like when those three guys were out there that there was a little clunkiness? To that. Yes. And it's totally understandable, yes. right? When you're infusing DG back into this thing, they haven't played a ton together in game action. I think that's going to take some time e, to iron itself out when those three are on the floor offensively. And I think there's a couple of other things that just need to be smoothed out with this lineup, with any lineup really right now. And even since well, it was the Toronto game, Garland leaves with the lacerated eye. And since then, it, it's been JB trying to figure out, you know, throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. Mm-hmm. And that's so far, again, it's resulted in a 6-1 and one record. Yep. The cake's really good. <laughs> and he's baked it a lot of different ways, mm-hmm. JB has, in the games that we've seen. This Cavalier squad has won a lot of different ways, They've res- but they've been wins. Um, with the final shot that Donovan Mitchell took at the end of regulation that Jason Tatum blocks. So yeah. Tatum had a, a monster minute yeah. where he yeah. <laughs> he takes he did a nice play defensively, drives, makes the, the game thing layup, and then blocks um, Donovan Mitchell's shot there at the end. Garland's wide, yeah. close to the top of the key. Yeah. Or at least there's a guy with a couple steps of him, but you trust Garland to get the shot off before the defense is able to close mm-hmm. in enough time. And I said to myself, Mitchell's got to see that. Yep. But it's, mm-hmm. again, game seven of the season. Right. 
I have no doubt in my mind that once we start getting to March, April, May, yeah. he's going to see that when that's there. 100%, man. He, he absolutely will. And look, he hit some key baskets down the stretch of that game on Wednesday night. You're, you're right, though, Zeb. You're coming out of that timeout and you're working that inbounds play. You did see DG slip to the top. He was there. And, and he probably would have knocked for that me was down. Like, Don't get I know, it. I know. And those are the things that they have to figure out and that chemistry and just knowing where each other is on the floor. But that's credit to a guy that you mentioned in Jason Tatum, who's an all world player. Yes. I mean, this is a guy that I don't think anybody's going to be surprised if he wins an MVP in his career. He's played like it. Absolutely. He's got that finals experience now. So this, the ceiling is the roof with that guy. And honestly, I think we got away with one. Cause I thought J.A. fouled Jason Tatum on that dunk, right? Yes. After that time, it looked there like was, there was, was some contact. contact. So we got away with one there, but still, those are just the finite things that they have to work through along the way or just those little in-game scenarios scenarios of just knowing, hey, when guys collapse on me, I got so many weapons around me, just give it up. I love, E, that you come into the game as one of the best three-point shooting teams through a handful of games so far. You leave this game with a win, and you shot 28% from three. Yeah, that, there were there were a lot of shots there. I'm like, this is a lot of good looks, a lot of yeah. open looks. A lot of times you're like, okay, I'm good with you taking that shot. Yeah, things just didn't fall. They weren't falling, and still they weren't falling. And I think that is the sign of a really good team is that when you have different ways to win, right? When you cannot just have, hey, when we take away, if we get our one weapon took away from us, what do we do? This is a team that can go inside, team that can kill you with the pick and roll. You got three guards that can score at every single level on the court. There's so much to like here, man. There's so much to like with the wine and gold right now. The OT oop to Donovan Mitchell from Jared Allen. Did you, I don't, I live in an apartment building. So I do have people that are within the vicinity of my voice when I'm like loud. Mm -hmm. I must have woken a lot of them up. There was definitely a Tom Brady LFG going down from your boy in that moment. Like because it's just the execution, right? Like don't you have confidence knowing that you have two guys that are elite decision makers. And I know we just talked about Donovan Mitchell not really reading the room there, but just overall, his decision making has been amazing. And that's so important to have two of those guys because not a lot of teams have two guys down the stretch that you want to put the ball in their hands and you're going to trust what they do. And I think JB has two of those guys that can do it at an elite level. Well, that was the thing with Mitchell and just kind of as I was thinking about it, you know, and they're in the extra time. And then after the game with that, with that miss to an open Garland, you know, Mitchell tries to take the shot. It's like when he was with the Jazz, that was that mm-hmm. was that ever there? How mm-hmm. often was that there? Because, admittedly, didn't watch a lot of Utah Jazz basketball. Saw them Fair. when they came east. Yeah. Saw them for primetime games. Mm-hmm. Knew who Donovan Mitchell was. Knew that he was the phenomenal scorer, the guy that can drive to the basket, that can play just outside of uh, of his mind at times. Yeah. But was always going to be in the position to, if you needed a shot, I'm taking that mm-hmm. shot. Now that's not the case. No. No. If the shot you would like to, he's the guy I think right now you want the ball in yeah. for the to set up everything mm-hmm. and if he needs to take that shot fine take that shot but if Garland's open like that yeah give it to Garland and you have just as much faith that he'll knock it down no issue with either guy in late right. game situations and you know one of them, arguably one of my favorite possessions from Donovan was late in that game remember when Boston they kept grabbing a couple offensive rebounds and then out of nowhere Donovan comes in and just jumps over everyone and grabs that rebound. Like, that's the moment that great players 
have to have in these type of games against elite teams. The Cavs were gas, gas in that possession. I remember that. Had forty five come crashing through the middle of the lane, skies above everyone, and grabs that key possession. And that's just everything that's in the man's bag. Sure, we're going to want to see him get better and better defensively on that end. But this team overall will have enough protection around him to where he doesn't need to be an elite guy. If he can just get the average defense, this team's going to be just fine. But just so many boxes that this man can check. I'm glad that people are really starting to see what he's all about because I'm with you you watch a couple national games when they're on late if you're up later like you're saying they're on an east coast schedule you'll catch them but this dude is absolutely the truth he's one of the best 20 to 25 players in the league and he's at an age to where he still has room to get better and just when we get five ten games removed from where we are right now and he and dg start to really figure each other out on the floor the sky is going to be absolutely the limit with this team it's just all about health the way it was last year if they stay healthy they absolutely are going to be an elite force in this eastern conference and that's what kind of we'll grow to next is the upcoming road trip. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. This is Very Cavalier with Reeser and Matty Ice. I think you saw at the post game um, when they were talking to Darius Garner, at least on the ESPN broadcast, yeah. his left eye was huh. saggy yeah. to the point where you knew that he wasn't fully healed mm-hmm. from that lacerated eyelid. I don't know how long these things take to heal. I'm, I've never even heard of people lacerating their eyelids. I, I know it's happened just because of after that Toronto game, I Googled it. I was like, how many times has this happened yeah. in an NBA season? Or yeah. any, like, you just didn't know. And it, it's something that varies mm-hmm. because of, of different human beings. And so that, and I think they were talking about it throughout the broadcast. I, I'm sure they were talking about it on Bally Sports, mm-hmm. but th- to not have your peripheral as a point guard. Yeah. It's tough. Very tough. Very tough. And, and I believe I saw a report that he wasn't a fan of the goggles. I know that they were testing those out maybe it's not in practice. comfortable then. And I get it. <laughs> yeah. And I get it. But you could just see last night that his eye is just not there just no. yet. But guess what? He didn't affect his output at all. Right. Did and so if you can get healthier every single day and you can have, you know, no irritation to that eye, you obviously keep a close mm-hmm. eye on it. The mm-hmm. pun was not intended. It just happened. I'm sorry, everybody. Did. All right. I see what you but did. But you've got a five game road trip coming up and it starts Friday in Detroit against the Pistons. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to do this to Detroit because I'm sure you know, they, for some reason, gave the Cavaliers, I think it was three real frustrating losses last season where you had no business yeah. losing that game to Detroit if you were still trying to stick in a playoff hunt because you got LeBron and the Lakers on Sunday. That that Detroit game is giving me vibes of Orlando from uh, about a week ago. Remember Orlando? They're this young, up-and-coming team oh, yeah. with Bancaro yep. and Franz Wagner and just all these other guys. That's the same thing you're going to get from Detroit on Friday night. You got Cade Cunningham. You got Jaden Ivey. You got Sadiq Bey, Bojan Bogdanovic. Like, they are talented they just haven't figured everything out yet. So that's one of those games where if you're the Cavs, you can't drop that one. And then as you mentioned, then you go into the LA and you get a back-to-back against the Lakers who have won a couple games in a row for whatever that's going to mean. <laughs> Did you see, just to completely digress, the other night against yeah. the Nuggets, they give Darvin Ham his first NBA win. And they, they, I mean, they were a minute away from popping bottles, it felt like. It was Reminded like, me of the Timberwolves. Did they plastic sheet the locker room? <laughs> I get it. It's a big win. Yeah. And you're excited for your coach to get his first NBA win. But guys, after things were tanking the way they yeah. had leading up to beating the Denver Nuggets, mm-hmm. who we think, despite a good start for them, are in tank. 
You're not storming the court. No, we don't need Guys. to be doing that. We don't need to be doing that. And they've that. all been there before. So you can't even play that game with me. They were happy for ham, man. They were happy for They're Darwin. going ham, and they should not have been. <laughs> I completely agree, bro. Completely agree. But that game in L.A., LeBron, A.D., you know what that is. That's a great test. And that matchup inside with Evan and Jared against A.D., can't wait to see it. It's a back-to-back. So you stay in L.A., and you got to deal with the Clippers, who some people think can win it all. So this is a long trip. This, this what, next five to six games, as you mentioned, I believe Golden State is in there yep. as well. So they won't be back for a while, I believe, until the 13th of November, and I think that game's against Minnesota. So, yeah, this right here is one of those measuring stick trips, right, where you're going against a team in the Eastern Conference that's young and up and coming. Then you're going to L.A. to deal with some superstar power coming from both teams, and I think they're just going to handle it well. The two games against Boston, I believe, are going to go a long way for this year's team yes. just to early on in the season have that mental confidence that we can hang with and we can beat some of the elite teams in our conference that's going to be really really big for this team in my opinion just two things uh real quick about last night's or uh, wednesday night's uh boston cleveland game um for the cavaliers dean wade should not be guarding jason tatum I get, I, I get I in situations agree. that's going to happen, but let's, I, I get Mobley on him if he could. Yes, but that's the give and take JB has to play, right? When you talk about. It's so difficult, but I'm watching Tatum drive to the court and I'm like, yeah, maybe Dean Wade shouldn't be the guy there. I, I listen, I hear <laughs> you on picking. that. I hear you on that, but that's the give and take you yep. give, right? Because if you go out with Okoro, that can possibly limit you offensively with your spacing. But Dean does the flip side of that with the where offensively, he opens things up yep. and defensively, you may be giving up a little bit more. So that puts JB in a bit, in a bit of a difficult spot, but look, Dean's been fine, man. For the most part this year, it's been really good. I think, right? especially when you have guys like Jared Allen out there and Evan guys that really aren't floor spacers. You want a, a three or four attached to those guys to space the floor just a little bit. But all of those guys that have come off the bench, you've seen some good stuff from so far, whether it's Jetty or K-Love or Dean Wade. Like these guys, I think are going to be consistent role players, and that's what you need if you believe that you're going to be a contender. But last night starting five, that's the team. That's the squad. Like, that's the squad there. I was yep. way off on my Okoro prediction coming into the season he's been very disappointing yeah yeah um, up to this point and Lavert's acquitted himself really mm-hmm. well in that Boston game I think he had 41 mm-hmm. um Lavert had a lot of shots last night I think he was only three for seven from the three mm-hmm. but he got a lot of looks that I was totally okay with yeah, I mean, man. that's been the biggest thing the the more of an NBA fan I've become is when they miss shots you don't get frustrated because you're yeah. okay with the look yeah man and we've seen from him you know, when Darius was down for a little bit of time that he was also contributing to yep. moving the ball around and getting guys in good position while offensively he was doing his thing as well. So, look, like we talked about off the top, when you have three guys like this that can really distribute the basketball and get your offense set up, it's really going to be tough. It reminded me so much, EO, remember a couple of years ago when Chris Paul was still in Oklahoma City? Yeah. And they were trying to tank and he just wouldn't let them because they were so good. Well, they had Shea Gildress Alexander and Chris Paul, and they had Dennis Schroeder, and that was a three-guard lineup that just gave teams hell every single night. And I think that's what we're going to be looking at with this year's team. It's a weird – well, not a weird way. It's a different way to go about it, but I think this team can still have some success all year long with those three guys. Also, just real quick about uh, the Cavaliers win. The second quarter, I think, was – was I don't have the numbers in front of me exactly how bad it was for them shooting. I know they mm-hmm. scored 15 points and the Celtics got 29. Yeah. The fact that they were able to come out in the third quarter and put 33 up there, 
told me to tell Jeff Van Gundy there is no composure problem no. with this team. No, not at all. And when you have, like, do you feel Donovan Mitchell's leadership through the TV? Like, to me, because I just look at him, he doesn't get flustered by anything. And you can, and I think that's just going to work its way through this Cavs team all year long, is that when they look at one of the leaders of this team and Donovan, who's going to be in all these crucial situations, he doesn't get flustered. Like, I've seen him close his eyes and take deep breaths and do all those type of things. And I think that's exactly what you want, especially when you still have young guys trying to learn together how to win. You have a guy, Donovan Mitchell, that has experience around the league and been in key playoff moments. So I think that's going to go a long way too. Not just all the stuff he's going to bring to bring on the floor, but I think his leadership, we'll start to hear more about that along the way because I think he's going to be a great leader for this core. And we talked about this in the last episode that it, it's it's his leadership, yes, but the rest of the team has bought into him being the mm-hmm. dude. Even mm-hmm. with, even that Garland was out. Now Garland, you know, back for the, the Celtics game the other night, but the team has that this is the guy yeah. and we're going to rally around this. And you know what I love too, is that the team it, to me, it feels like they genuinely like each other. Yep. And you can tell a lot when you watch NBA games around the league, when dudes are making buckets, when the bench is doing golf claps, or when you watch a team like the Cavs and the Cavs look like they're doing a dance off right in their corner over there, they genuinely like each other, care about each other. And that goes a long way because that's what you heard a lot about coming out of the Memphis Grizzlies locker room the last couple of years is John Morant and all these guys, they hang out off the floor and it's a genuine thing that they have going on. And that's the same vibes I'm getting from this Cavs team is that you just always are curious that when you add a guy like Donovan Mitchell, is there going to be jealousy? Is there going to be guys complaining about shots and just all those type of things? It's early, but I don't think we're getting that at all with this young team. I think everybody understands their role and everybody has the team goal in mind. And I really believe this team should feel that they can do a lot of damage in this conference this year. So the one thing I did want to get uh, your thoughts on just before we wrap this, because of course, you know, beating the Celtics is the most wonderful thing and a very nice early Christmas gift. But the Brooklyn Nets, Mm -hmm. two and six right now. Earlier this week, they mutually parted ways with Steve Nash. I don't know what the hell that means. I'm pretty sure he got fired because Woj reported fire. I think Shams was one of the two said firing. The other one said parting ways. Nets front office said parting ways. It's been a hell of a couple weeks for the Brooklyn Nets organization. I'm not going to get into Kyrie being an idiot because Kyrie's an idiot. Yes. But the report out of Brooklyn had them not if, but when they're going to make it official with Ime Udoka. Yeah. Uh, listen, I'm not surprised. Nothing that happens with Kevin Durant, Ky- Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving surprises me anymore. Um, we knew throughout the summer, Katie didn't want Steve Nash. She laid out an ultimatum. GM, the coach, or me, pick one. Yep. And they somehow, some way figured it out. Kyrie signed the extension. And it's been nothing but an an abject failure this entire run since Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving signed contracts to become, look, a Brooklyn net. On the flip side of that, they got an elite coach now. They got an elite coach now. I was reading a quote from Marcus Smart before yesterday's game in a Boston newspaper. He he was saying they're upset about this. They love him. They love him in Boston. And rightfully so. So you got Ime Udoka, who was on the Brooklyn Nets staff before he went over to Boston. So he's familiar with KD. He's familiar with Kyrie. It's just, E, it's always something with these dudes. And you just can't trust them off the floor. You can't trust their decision-making to put a good team together or find a head coach. We knew this was going to fail right away. When the minute Steve Nash got hired, Kevin Durant and Kyrie said, this is a collective effort. We don't need one head coach. 
We can all kind of do this together. As soon as that happened, I knew this was done. And I think Steve Nash should be happy he got out of there. Because now you get to make all this money yeah, free. with the buyout. You can sit back, learn from this experience, and then you'll be back in, in the league coaching at some point if you want to. Yeah, because he's the winner of all of this. He's the winner. Can Ime Udoka save this Brooklyn Nets season? Or is it too early to even say the Nets were on the brink? <sighs> What's giving me pause is not KD and Kyrie on the floor. It's Ben Simmons. Because if yeah. they get nothing from Ben Simmons, this is going to be a failure. He has to be a guy that's going to step up. And offensively, we know what he is. But defensively, can he get back to his elite level? And offensively, can he give him something? They're still waiting on guys like Seth Curry and Joe Harris to get fully healthy. So I still think there's a good team there. This is not just going to be a bad team, I believe, all year. But if they ain't stopping anybody, then Ime Odoka can do all the yelling and screaming he wants. There's still a terrible defense. It's going to matter. It's not going to matter. And that's been their identity uh, since KD and Kyrie got to Brooklyn. So they did win out in getting a young and a, an upcoming, up and coming and elite head coach in Ime Udoka. But I don't know if it's going to really translate into what we saw from Boston because they just don't have that personnel. They don't have that personnel. Ime Udoka, Ime Udoka had guys in Boston uh, that were elite at doing everything. Yes, that could do it all. They don't have that in Brooklyn. So I just don't think the head coaching change is going to change much in, in BK. Because even a, a Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown duo, give me that over Kyrie and KD yes, at this point. Yes, because five you, years ago, right, you'd have put me in a loony bin for saying no something doubt like about that. it. Now, give me JB and JT. Very comfortable saying those two players because Jalen Brown led the Celtics in scoring last night. Tatum was, of course, he's, most nights when they need a guy, yeah. it's going to be Jason Tatum on that. But unfortunately, they go back to Boston with a gigantic L That's as right. the Cleveland Cavaliers take it in overtime again. Like we said, they're six and one. Six and fun, heading on a five-game road trip. This has been very cavalier, so we're kind of just going to try to officially wrap it up now that we've got some music and some fanfare to kind of push us out the door this week. We're going to try to do these things every Thursday. Make sure we give you some quality Cavaliers content. Matty Ice, maybe next week we do this again, talking about a victory, a pair of victories in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. and then we're looking down the barrel of the Golden State Warriors, who look, they're three and five, this is the Golden State Warriors. Buckle up, folks. This is only the beginning. This Cavs ride is going to be off the chain. Thanks for listening to Very Cavalier. Make sure to hit subscribe on whatever podcast thing you're listening to.